Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. Become a Coast Insider to hear the rest of this fascinating conversation. And check out recent shows where we learned about scientific efforts to revive the woolly mammoth, the latest in military drone technology, and the mysterious Shroud of Turin. And you can listen to those programs and many more amazing Coast shows by heading over to coasttocoastam.com and signing up for Coast Insider. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Gordon Lohr is an author, co-author, editor of several UFO books and several thousand UFO and other articles on spiritual phenomena, Eastern mysticism, nuclear energy, the space shuttle, and so much more. He was an unaccredited scientific advisor to the late director Stanley Kubrick on the 2001 Space Odyssey back in 1967. A couple of his books, Mysteries of the Skies, and of course, Flying Saucers from Beyond the Earth. And Gordon, I've got to tell you, it's a privilege to have you on the program. Well, thank you so much, George. It's a privilege being on uh, for me. I was a kid when I joined NICAP, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. Oh, I'll be darned. You did join NICAP. I must have been 15 years old back in 1965. Would that be right, the, right around That's that time exactly period? exactly the year I went on board at NICAP, 1965, indeed. What got you so interested in UFOs? I read the first two books by uh, Major Kehoe. Uh, flying saucers from uh, of the Ariel in 1950. He wrote the very first book on the subject, uh, and then flying saucers from outer space in 1953. And I three, and I was hooked after that. And I also had a couple of sightings uh, of my own, which I sent into NICAP, and uh, then uh, I met Dick Hall, uh, uh-huh. the assistant director of NICAP at the time in 1965. I was a folk singer actually, oh, uh, really? Washington, D.C., and Dick came in to hear, because I had written the uh, music to a poem by uh, by Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes called The Pedigreed Peddling Pup and Ten Piddles in a Puddle. <laughs> and matter of fact, Peter Arrow of Peter, Paul, and Mary was there in the audience, and, uh, and Dick happened to come in there because he was interested in folk music as well. And... Uh, he invited me back to uh, his apartment, and we talked the rest of the evening. And by the time I left to go home, he had hired me to to be a staff member at NICAP. And I, wow. I showed up the next day. That was, uh, I think, around April of 1965. I thought it was so cool. I had my little paper NICAP official membership card. I'll be and, and it was just, I was fascinated, Gordon, like you were, uh, with UFOs. I still am. I can't stop. Either can you. I know that there's just so much. When I wrote my first book, Mysteries of the Skies, there probably weren't 25 uh, really serious books uh, out there. Now there are thousands. Yeah. Gordon, when when NICAP finally stopped functioning, MUFON picked up the Mutual UFO Network. But why did NICAP stop? I mean, was it because Kehoe died or what happened? No, Kehoe didn't die until some years after that. But what happened is that uh, the uh, University of Colorado UFO Project, which ran... Uh, the Condon the, Report, the, right? Yeah, the Condon Report, exactly. And uh, NICAP was facing some severe financial problems uh, anyhow. Uh, uh, Kehoe, bless him, wasn't the greatest uh, um, keeper of the funds. <laughs> and uh, as a matter of fact, that's part of the reason he took over from Townsend Brown, who... 
Kehoe and Townsend Brown were the co-founders of NICAP back in 1956, and then uh, Townsend Brown uh, left because uh, he couldn't handle the funds, and then Kehoe took over. But he ran the uh, the, the organization for about 12 years. And uh, actually, um, I think it was a, a CIA takeover myself. Well, you know what? You might be right. And for a lot of people who don't know the name Donald Kehoe, he um, died, by the way, in 1988. He was an American Marine Corps naval aviator. That's correct. He, he uh, sure was. He wrote great articles. And mm-hmm. what what was it, Gordon, that got Donald Kehoe interested in UFOs? Didn't he have his own sightings? I don't recall that he did, uh, per se. Uh, he was very interested in aviation. He saw many strange things in the skies. As a matter of fact, he was the one that that uh, honchoed the uh, tour of Charles Lindbergh uh, around the United States after his uh, ground his historic uh, um, plane flight from uh, New York to uh, Paris in 1927. And he, uh, uh, Kehoe, uh, got very interested in in the subject, but exactly how and why, I I don't know. I don't remember him uh, saying anything about that. I know it was after Kenneth Arnold's sighting, okay? Oh, yeah, it was. That was June of uh, 1947. That's right. That's right. And uh, then he really got interested in this. And didn't he have a lot of friends who worked at the Pentagon? uh, I remember now. Yes, he did. Admiral Roscoe Hillencoiter was one, the, the first director of the CIA. But but what happened was, I recall now, that Ken Purdy at uh, True Magazine. Um, that's right. He published his book, Flying Saucers Are Real. That's right. Or his article yeah. or something. Yeah, but it, it, and that was the name of the article. It was Ken Purdy who who, uh, because Kehoe had been writing for him, he knew Kehoe was a pilot and so on, and he thought Kehoe might be interested in tracking down these UFO reports. And I think that's how Kehoe really got interested in the subject. He began to using his um, contacts in the Pentagon. Uh, uh, Dewey Fournay was one, Admiral Hillencoiter. He began to get some material from, from them to start out with and uh, just sort of went on from there. Did he know at the time J. Allen Hynek when he was heading up the Project Blue Book? Uh, he didn't know him uh, personally, no. Um, and uh, I think he may have met him once or twice, but this, uh, he didn't know him very well. But, of course, Hynek, uh, um, but Kehoe, I have in my book where Kehoe really uh, praised Hynek because around about 1967 he began to reverse his stance, particularly after Jacques Vallée, uh, uh, who wrote a good uh, note to me the other day about my book, as a matter of fact. I can read oh, it that's if great. you like. But, I'd, I'd uh, love to hear that. Yeah, Jacques is just a wonderful guy. Oh, yeah, I know. Well, I, I could tell you what he said. I, I sent him an autographed copy of, of my book after he asked for one. He said, quote, I like the book a lot. You've been there. And you are in a position to speak about it in the first person. I congratulate you on taking the time and having the courage to pull this great testimony together, Jacques Vallée. I, I think, Gordon, it's so great that you were able to write this book because it touches on so many incredible cases. 
and data does. But more importantly, you were there. I mean, you you were there in the beginning when all this was happening. That's right. As a matter of fact, it was. Uh, uh, I did several investigations of my own, but mainly I I uh, was the head of the uh, NICAP subcommittees. I had about 35 subcommittees all over the world. And I remember doing the 1966-67 flap from Hills, from uh, Hillsdale, Hillsdale, Michigan. Yeah, area. That's the uh, one that uh, Heineck called swamp gas. That's correct. That, that's very correct. I was, I was, I was there. I was right in the middle of that. Help me, darn! So you were right there. On, on, I was uh, born in Detroit. And remember the story, and uh, yeah, I remember yeah. Heineck coming to uh, the Midwest and talking about swamp gas. I sure and, did. and it haunted him after he said that, didn't he it? He sure did. But but he began to change his uh, his his mind, taking a more, particularly after uh, Jacques Vallée. I spent a full day with Heineck and Jacques Vallée at the uh, Northwestern University in nineteen sixty nine. And and by then, uh, Heineck had already uh, decided that, indeed, the UFO question needed a serious scientific investigation, and 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 he was no longer going to poo-poo it as something, uh, you know. What was it that changed up. him, Gordon? Because something dramatic happened to him, where he went from being the Project Blue Book consultant, which was basically deny, 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 mm-hmm. to all of a sudden a staunch believer in UFOs, even having his own organization out of Chicago. Uh-huh. I mean, what what was that trigger point for him that got... I I had always heard it was the Lonnie Zamora, the police officer out of Socorro, New Mexico. That was a great case. He really did, April 24, 1964. NICAP did a thorough investigation of that case, where this police officer saw uh, um, a landed craft with, I think it was three occupants outside it, a uh, little men. Yeah. You know? he, he thought it was a, a flipped-over car when he was driving That's there he until did. he got there and went, oh, my God. That's right. That's, that's correct. And, and, uh, uh, and then the thing took off over a dynamite shack, just missing it by inches, and, and, uh, and, and flew away. And, and, and uh, Heinig was quite impressed by that, by that case. I think that may have been the one case that uh, that started him thinking that uh, maybe he should reverse his stance. It took him a couple more years to do it, but I think maybe uh, Jacques Vallée had something to do with it, too, because uh, uh, Jacques and, and uh, Alan Hynek were, uh matter of fact, uh, uh, Hynek was, uh, was Jacques' uh, mentor. So yeah. He became a very close friend. And, uh, of course, his his book was published, I think it was last year, wasn't it, 2017? I think so, too, yeah. About the, uh, the Heineck biography. And somebody actually in England now, a, a lady, is working on a biography of Kehoe, actually. Oh, that would be super. I know. It she, would. You should be quoted in that book because you were there. Well, you, I think it will be. I'm, I'm in touch with her. So, all right, uh, cool. I think I will. Be. Do you think the media today is different from the media back in the 60s? Because it's my feeling, Gordon, that the media in the 60s really seemed to be interested in UFO cases and took uh-huh. it and took it seriously. I mean, Mike Wallace, when he was on ABC in 1958, he was interested. He interviewed Kehoe. 
But there, well, al- there always seemed to be censorship going on there. But I know. Well, I, I can tell you, back in uh, in '67, uh, during the flash '66, '67, the media. I mean, I was up sometime till two o'clock in the morning at NICAP headquarters in Washington D.C. Fielding calls from as far away as Australia, wow, and uh, Germany, and I was on a a, a English speaking radio program in Germany at in Germany at two o'clock in the morning, and the mailman would bring in twice a day huge sacks of letters. So the and and there were these huge flaps. You saw them in almost every newspaper. That doesn't happen much anymore. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.